Yom Kippur really is the most holiest of the holidays. So what is it? So the Day of Atonement on the Jewish calendar, Yom Kippur, is literally the Day of Coverings. And the idea is covering of Israel's sin corporately, of each member of the House of Israel individually, and covering of sin for the priests who were doing the ministering before the Lord on behalf of themselves and the community and the individual. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jewish believer and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus, believe that God is doing something unique among the Jewish people around the world, and want to inform you on matters affecting you in the Christian world. So today is the second of a three-part series that we're doing on the fall feasts. We're going to focus specifically on Yom Kippur. So let's discuss. So... Ezra, I said this in the last episode too, but for those who didn't listen to that, most Christians don't even know what the fall feasts are. They seem very Jewish. So can you give our audience a reason not to turn the podcast off right now? Sure. And I want to encourage you, if you didn't listen to the first part of this series, go back and listen because the fall feasts have everything to do with one another. It's sort of a process that the Jewish community goes through year after year. And uh, for those of us who are believers, Jewish and Gentile alike, uh, the, the holidays should be understood in relation to one another. So don't listen to Yom Kippur without listening to uh, Rosh Hashanah. Uh, go check that one out and come back and, and uh, check this one out secondly. But Real briefly, Carly, the fall feasts, just to recap, are this batch of holidays on the Jewish calendar every year that happen anywhere between early September and uh, end of October, depending on how the uh, Jewish year falls in relation to the Gregorian calendar. Um, But they start with Rosh Hashanah, which literally means the head of the year or the Feast of Trumpets, uh, Jewish New Year, so to speak. Uh, It is and it isn't. Listen to the previous podcast to hear why. And then 10 days after the the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, on the 10th day of the seventh month on the Jewish calendar is this uh, Day of Atonement or called Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur literally means Day of Covering. Uh, More on that in a minute. And then uh, that happens. And exactly two weeks after Rosh Hashanah or about four days after Yom Kippur is Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And really kind of cutting to cutting to the chase in a way, um, you can say that um, how should Christians understand these holidays? Well, the spring feasts on the Jewish calendar, Passover and then Shavuot, really refer to the first coming of Jesus Uh, In that first century, his coming to earth, his ministry, his death as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, his resurrection, and then uh, his sending the Holy Spirit to the first believers on that first Shavuot or that Shavuot that became the first Pentecost. So Shavuot and Pentecost are synonymous for us as believers because Jesus fulfilled Shavuot Pentecost uh, in the year of his resurrection. And then we have this batch of fall feasts, which really, to me, point to the second coming of the Messiah, the second coming of Jesus to earth, not as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, uh, but as the righteous reigning king who's going to judge the earth righteously and is going to trample unrighteousness, trample his enemies under his feet. Now, that language sounds pretty scary in in a day of political correctness, and I'm okay, you're okay, so stay tuned with us to listen to why we feel that way and how the scriptures make it clear that that's really who God is. Uh, 
but this this batch of fall feasts really refers to these things on the Jewish calendar, September, October time frame that happen within two or three weeks of one another. And Yom Kippur is smack in the middle of that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So it's important as a believer, one, to understand the feasts because we can possibly celebrate them, which is something we're going to talk about, but also to understand kind of the prophetic implications, which is what you just mentioned. So let's talk yeah. specifically about um, Yom Kippur, which is not a feast that I had heard of a lot. Rosh Hashanah is really the one I've heard of the most, but I've heard right. you reference that Yom Kippur really is kind of the most holiest uh, of the holidays. So what what is it? Yeah, and I'm glad you said it the way you said it, because we've been calling these the fall feasts and the Jewish uh, in Jewish tradition, you do call these the fall feasts. But actually, Yom Kippur is not a feast at all. In fact, it's a fast. And we're going to explain why in a minute. But it is called one of these fall feasts. And really, we could be a little more accurate, Carly, and call these the fall appointed times. So the word in Hebrew is moed, which means not just a time but an appointed time, like a predetermined appointment on God's calendar. And so the fall moedim, the fall appointed times uh, on the Jewish calendar include Yom Kippur. Um, And Yom is day in Hebrew and Kippur is covering. So for those who may have seen uh, men in the Jewish uh, tradition wearing uh, that kind of circular piece of material on their head called a yarmulke in some cases or called a kippah you can think of adam sandler right put on your yarmulke it's time for hanukkah what is he talking about he's talking about that round head covering that uh more observant jewish men wear or really all jewish men during these special holy days on the jewish calendar if they're going to a synagogue they're almost required to put the head covering on and uh in hebrew it's called a kippah so if you hear the the similarity Kippah is a, is a head covering or a covering, and Kippur is a more generic term for covering. So the day of uh, atonement on the Jewish calendar, Yom Kippur, is literally the day of coverings. And in its formal way that it's written now in the, in the Torah, in the Hebrew scriptures, it's Yom HaKippurim, the day of coverings. And the idea is covering of Israel's sin corporately, covering of the sin of each member of the house of Israel individually, and covering of sin for the priests who were doing the ministering before the Lord on behalf of themselves and the community and the individuals. So Yom HaKippurim, this holiest day on the Jewish calendar, is uh, a day of covering. And the idea is the coverings for sin or the covering for sin. Kippur can also mean a ransom or a redemption by the way. So it's this idea that, um, right, if you're redeeming something, you're giving something in order to get something else back, which is currently in the possession of someone else. So our lives belong to the Lord. And because of our fallenness in humanity, including Jewish people, uh, the Lord was very clear, the wages of sin is death. This isn't a new New Testament idea. This is a very Old Testament idea. You are separated from God because of your sin, but you can be redeemed. And that redemption is blood. Uh, There can be no redemption for sins apart from a blood sacrifice. Uh, And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But Yom Kippur, this holiest day, is the day when all Jewish people around the world, uh, if they're at all observant and in touch with our calendar, whether or not they even believe God exists, come into this kind of solemn recognition that this is a day of covering for sin. Hmm. You know, I've never actually heard of how it's related to the kippah. So that was interesting and new for me. Right. right. Um, so as we asked in kind of all these 
feast shows, where do we find this in the Bible? And is it only in the Old Testament? Yeah, it's in the Old and the New Testament, but we'll start with the Old because the giving to Israel of this appointed time, this Moed, happens uh, in the Old Testament. One example is in Leviticus, and Leviticus is great around chapter 23. If you want to understand Jewish holidays, they're all kind of laid out right there, paragraph after paragraph around Leviticus 23. And in verses 26 to 32, let me just share this with our audience. Normally, we don't read scripture passages this long, but uh, Moses can explain it better than Ezra can. So uh, (laughs) here we are. So it says, and the Lord said to Moses, the 10th day of the seventh month or 10 days after Rosh Hashanah around uh, September, October time is this day of atonement, Yom HaKippurim. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves. Hold that thought for a minute. Deny yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day because it is the day of atonement, the day of coverings. When atonement is made for you, before the Lord and God. Those who do not, and listen to this, this is how serious this is, and this is part of why we understand this day to be so holy in the Jewish tradition. God says to Moses, those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from their people. I will destroy from among their people anyone who does any work on this day. You shall do no work at all. This is to be, listen, an everlasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live maybe even in Phoenix, Arizona, like I am. Wherever you live, it is a day of Shabbat or Sabbath rest for you, and you must deny yourselves from evening on the ninth day of the month until the following evening you're to, absorb, you're to observe a Shabbat. And actually in Hebrew, you know, Shabbat really means this seventh day on the calendar or rest, a day of ceasing. That happens on the Jewish calendar every Friday night into Saturday. And we, you know, talk more about the Shabbat in other podcast episodes. But the wording in Hebrew here, Carly, is Shabbat Shabbaton. And it actually is saying like a rest of complete ceasing. And this idea of deny yourself here in uh, Jewish thought, it's really been interpreted. And I agree with this to at least in part mean fasting. Like how do we deny ourselves, right? Well, we deny the things that we need and desire for a period of time. One of the things we need and desire is food. So the Jewish community almost worldwide um, denies themselves by calling a corporate fast every year on Yom Kippur. You don't eat anything. And in some communities, actually, you don't drink anything. So like no water even for 24 hours or more uh, during this period of Yom Kippur. But deny yourselves here in the Hebrew, and that's why kind of we were joking, you know, you could say Yom Kippur is die another day. The idea in the Hebrew is you don't exist. By deny yourself, it means deny your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions do not exist for this period of time every year in the 10th day of the seventh month on the Hebrew calendar. And the idea is God exists and I'm made from the dust. And yes, I exist before him, but I don't consider myself for this day. I don't consider my wants. I don't consider my desires. I don't even consider my needs. I'm just there before God in this place of holiness. So it's really a a significant idea, really like a a calling to complete ceasing, like stop what you're doing, stop business as usual. Hopefully in the 10 days before this, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you're getting your heart and yourself ready. So on Rosh Hashanah, you're just existing in the presence of a holy God and uh, denying your needs. And the reason we say die another day is we die to ourselves for one day because we recognize that this is the one day in which a sacrifice was offered by the high priest so that we wouldn't have to die eternally because of our sin and separation from God. 
Um, and then in the New Testament, to answer the other part of your question, uh, we also see this in Hebrews. And Hebrews, by the way, is, I believe, written primarily to Jewish believers in the first century in the places where they were scattered. You can see that from the first paragraph of the letter. But Hebrews unpacks this idea of Jesus fulfilling so much of what was commanded for Israel in the, in the Torah, in the first five books of the Bible. And in Hebrews 9.22, it says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Listen, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So this is the other idea behind Yom Kippur and the idea behind temple sacrifice is, um, you know, just like Adam and Eve sinned, and then in order to cover themselves, and the word there again is Kippur, right? They made these coverings for themselves out of animal skins, and that required the shedding of blood. So the idea is we can't be covered in the eyes of a holy, righteous God apart from the shedding of blood. And Hebrews 9 goes on to explain that Jesus himself shed his own blood so that we could be covered. And so there's an Old Testament commandment and a New Testament fulfillment here in Jesus. It's really a significant uh, time of year. Now, most people in the Jewish community worldwide don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. We, Paul's very clear. We have blinders over our eyes as a people until really, I believe, by the work of his spirit, those blinders are removed and we can see through the eyes of faith that Jesus fulfilled um, everything that the law and the prophets understood that the Messiah would be, who he would be, and what he would do for us. But most Jewish people don't believe he is and we're still waiting for a Messiah maybe to come one day, perhaps. And because of that, um, on Yom Kippur, there's a lot of, it's a solemn time, but it ends not with this joyous celebration of our redemption through Jesus. There's a lot of maybe concern and wondering, uh, did we make it to another year? Is our name written in the book of life? Who can really be sure? So uh, for for our Christian audience listening at home, it's a great time of year, Rosh Hashanah through to Yom Kippur, to uh, pray and intercede for Jewish people you know who don't know the Lord. Because unless those blinders come off, we really have no assurance uh, even if we fast and pray on Yom Kippur. We talked about how Rosh Hashanah is on September 18th. So when is Yom Kippur and is there any other related holidays or times in between those two holidays? Yeah, good question, Carly. So we're recording this podcast in 2020 and Rosh Hashanah, as you said, is September 18th of this year. And then there's this 10-day period uh, called the Days of Awe, the Days of Acknowledging the Holiness of God, getting right with Him and getting right with one another, um, culminating in... Uh, Yom Kippur, which begins in 2020, this year, uh, on the evening, sunset of September 27th. Now, And it goes through sunset at the end of September 28th. Now, why did I say sunset to sunset? Because on the Jewish calendar, and this really goes back to the idea, if you think of in, in the creation story, remember how it says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day, and there was evening and there was morning the second day, and it goes on. So this idea in Jewish thought is that a day actually begins at sunset and goes through to sunset the next day. So Jewish holidays in like manner begin at sunset on the eve of the actual daytime when they're celebrated. So this year, Yom Kippur, this day of atonement, will begin uh, with Jewish people around the world kind of probably having their last meal, big meal, you kind of shove in the carbs and eat a whole bunch uh, an hour or two before sunset on September 27th. And then Yom Kippur will go through the 27th in the evening, the daytime of the 28th, and it will end just after sunset on September 28th. So when I hear you talk about Yom Kippur, as a Christian, the Day of Atonement sounds like Easter to me. You know, Jesus right. atoned for my sins. 
So you, as a Jewish believer, why do you right. still celebrate Yom Kippur when, you know, Jesus came and atoned for your sins? Right. It's a great, it's a great question. And again, the book of Hebrews helps kind of tie the things together. I actually, when I was, you know, a young adult and really thinking on my own and saying, okay, I'm Jewish. I believe in Jesus. How do I put these things together? I asked myself the same question because as we said, um, you know, the, the spring feasts, including Passover, when we know, you know, Jesus died on the cross that that first Easter, we can say, or the Passover in the year that he died and was resurrected. It's very clear, right? Like he died as the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. His blood was shed on the cross. Isn't that Yom Kippur? What are we talking about that the fall feasts on the Jewish calendar have to do with his second coming? Well, Jesus has already died. His blood has already been shed. It, does he have to die again? Of course not. He died once and for all. But I think what's happening is, on earth, Jesus died as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and in heavenly places too. But he's dying on the cross on earth in Jerusalem, outside the city walls. We know that that's the fulfillment of Passover. But the writer of Hebrews is clear that Jesus entered into this holy place in heaven, right? Because the temple, it says, it's very clear, is a shadow and a copy of the things which exist in heaven. And so what's happening in Jerusalem is also happening in heaven in the year that Jesus died. And he enters into the Holy of Holies, this holiest part of the Jewish temple in heaven with his own blood. And he sprinkles it on the altar. And so I believe that Jesus fulfilled both Passover and Yom Kippur at once. So why do we say then that the fall feasts on the Jewish calendar are this foreshadowing of the second coming of Jesus? And there's another thing going on here, and it's really, um, we see it in Zechariah uh, chapter 12, Carly. Um, there's this idea that Zechariah saw in the future, uh, and it actually uses Isaiah 53 language, this idea that the Jewish people would see the promised one, and they would look upon the one whom they have pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And in that day, this fountain of grace and supplication would open, and there's this massive revival and salvation and kind of national recognition of Jewish people in Jerusalem and worldwide. Wow, Jesus is the Messiah. He was crucified with our permission, but he's really the promised one. And there's this day of great mourning and sorrow. So I believe Yom Kippur points to this day when Jesus is going to come back and just like Yom Kippur was this day of solemn observance and like weeping and acknowledging the holiness of God. I believe that there's this time the prophets saw when though most Jewish people don't recognize that the one who was pierced, Jesus, is the Messiah today, there will be a national recognition because those blinders are going to come off and eyes will be open. So uh, yes, Yom Kippur sounds like Easter. Uh, and yes, Yom Kippur sounds like um Sounds like days that are to come. And yes, Yom Kippur sounds like what we know in Hebrews happened in heaven. So it's kind of like this, this universal holiday. It's very interesting. So the next logical question would be, you know, as a Christian, do I need to observe it? But we're going to answer that question. But first, we want to tell you a way that you can support this podcast and get involved with Jewish ministry. Yeah, Carly, you know, we're as we're talking about here, we have a burden to see the blinders come off of the eyes of Jewish people. And maybe, you know, our audience is listening and saying, well, that's easy for Ezra to say he's a Jewish believer. It's kind of like preaching to his own choir. Um, but you as a Christian as well have this burden. And the more we unpack this, the more that we hope that those listening are going to catch this burden. Because it's a good idea? No. But because the scriptures are clear that 
uh, Christians, non-Jewish believers grafted into the olive tree have this role to play, not just today in Jewish people coming to faith, but in the days to come when, frankly, it's going to get really hard to, to take a stand with Israel and the Jewish people, maybe even deadly, according to the scriptures and as we see Revelation. But uh, we want our audience at home to just really get this burden not just to enrich our own faith by understanding the Hebrew roots of it, but really to stand with the Jewish people through thick and thin. And standing with the Jewish people, as we say so often on this podcast, means praying that they would have a transformative encounter with the Lord through their promised Messiah, Jesus Yeshua. And we are honored at this podcast to be able to partner with ministries in the U.S., in Canada, in South America, in Israel, over 60 ministries in Israel, in Ethiopia, in Zimbabwe. Uh, at meeting practical needs and emotional and spiritual needs in Jewish communities in a way that opens the door and earns the trust to share the most important thing, which we know is that Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus. And if you want to get involved with us in uh, being a part of partnering with other ministries around the world in Jewish ministry and in seeing those blinders come off in meeting practical needs in the name of Jesus, we have a great way for you to do that monthly partnership through this podcast, you can be a part of sowing into over a hundred ministries around the world, including this one. Um, and as a thank you for that, we want to get you some coffee, not just any coffee, some of the top couple percent best beans in the world from a place near and dear to our heart, Ethiopia, where we've been serving the Beta Israel and Beta Avraham and other Jewish communities there for over two decades in partnership with other ministries. And so as a thank you for your monthly partnership, we want to get you that coffee. The choice is yours how often you get that coffee. For me, I drink a couple pots a day. Uh, yes, I just said that. You don't have to clean out your ears. That's true. And I'm somewhat ashamed, but I'm unwilling to change. Anyway, we want to get you uh, as much coffee as you'd like to have. Details about that are on the website, a Jew and a Gentile org. Find out how you can partner with us and how you can get some of those delicious Ethiopian beans delivered right to your home as a thank you for your partnership. So back to Yom Kippur. So as a Christian, I feel like it's good for me to know. It's good for me to understand the background, you know, how it's related to the Jewish feasts. But do right. I need to observe Yom Kippur? Right. It's a good question. You know, it's really a larger question, Carly, of do Christians need to observe Jewish feasts in general? Is there a commandment for Jewish people that goes from generation to generation to observe Jewish feasts, to live as Jewish people, which to me means very clearly keeping God's appointed times? He says these are statutes in your generations forever. Forever is forever. So is there a commandment for Jewish people? Yes. Is it unto righteousness? No. Is it unto representing something of God's holiness and justice and mercy in the world and unto uh, having a more intimate relationship with him as Jewish people? Yes, I believe it is. So not righteousness. It's an act of obedience. And, you know, the, the scripture I think of so often is, you know, Jesus goes down to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, right? John the Baptist, John the Immerser. And John says, whoa, 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 you should be you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, this is necessary that all obedience may be fulfilled. And I believe it's that way for Jewish people in celebrating Jewish holidays. Is it an issue of righteousness? No, it's an issue of obedience because God's commanded our people to be and to live and to represent something in the world. Now, that being said, are Christians, to answer your question, who are grafted into that olive tree, commanded as an act of obedience to observe Jewish customs or to observe these Jewish holidays, these Moedim, appointed times? No, I don't believe so. But is there an invitation to do so? Yes. 
So if anybody tells you in order to be a, a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you have to eat Jewish foods, do Jewish things, observe, observe Jewish holidays, it's, it's simply not true. I'm sorry to say, don't be deceived. Don't be pulled off into something that's uh, not going to be the area where you need to be focusing. But is there an invitation to it? Can you join with Jewish people, especially Jewish believers in Jesus, and really um, not just be enriched but understand more about the times and seasons we're living in and what God's up to in the world uh, by uh, participating with Jewish communities in these holidays? Absolutely. So, Carly, in short, a commandment or an act of obedience? No. Unless God's speaking to you personally to do that as kind of a part of your own devotional worship before him. Uh, it's not a commandment, but is there an invitation to Christians to join with Jewish people in celebrating? Absolutely. Absolutely. So did Jesus observe Yom Kippur as yeah. part of his commandment or obedience? Right. Good question. We don't see in the Gospels a specific reference that says, and it was the Day of Atonement and Jesus was in the temple. We just don't see it. We do see it for other holidays like Hanukkah. We see it for Sukkot. We see it during Passover time during that week. He's in the temple. He's in Jerusalem. We don't see it for Yom Kippur, but here's what we do know. And let me just, you know, maybe this can dispel some of the confusion and some weird teaching that's out there. Here's what we do know, Carly. Jesus was a rabbi and Jesus was and is a Jewish man and one who is committed to a Jewish life. And so we know, because God says these are statutes for you in all your generations, Jesus didn't rewrite history and invent some new religion, right? He says, until, until heaven and earth pass away, not one smallest mark in the commandments will be wiped away, but I've come to fulfill them. And so, of course, Jesus is an obedient Jewish man, sinless before the Father, the only one who ever kept all the commandments, uh, in the way that God intended for them to be kept. Of course, he's going to celebrate a holiday that God says, this is an observance for you and your people forever, for all generations. So even though we don't see it in the Gospels, we know that Yeshua would necessarily have observed Yom Kippur with his disciples and taught his disciples to do the same. So did others in the New Testament celebrate? Yes. And uh, one of the interesting references that uh, because of the way Acts is written, right? There's cities and we get confused with the Greek names and the names of the Greek cities and there's so much narrative in there. But near the end of the book of Acts, in Acts 27, 9, uh, it's talking about the danger of setting sail to head to Rome for Paul as a prisoner and the other prisoners. And Why? And it says because the fast had already happened. Now, what fast is he talking about? Why does it suddenly autumn time and it's storm season because the fast had happened? Uh, the writer, we believe Luke, the writer of Acts is saying the seasons had changed because Yom Kippur had happened, the fast. So again, this idea of Jewish people are commanded to deny ourselves and to fast. Yom Kippur is, uh, is also referred to as the fast, and we believe that it makes its way into books like the book of Acts in the New Testament. The fast had already happened. It was autumn. So yes, the first century Jewish believers were celebrating things, Jewish holidays like Yom Kippur. So as we talked about, you know, as a believer, you have kind of a different viewpoint of Yom Kippur because of your believing in Jesus. Yeah. But for a Jewish person, a non-believing Jewish person, mm -hmm. not a Messianic Jew, how do they observe Yom Kippur nowadays? Right. Well, it's certainly, I mean, real briefly, this could be a whole college course in and of itself. But um, what does Jewish observance look like if you don't believe the Messiah has come yet? And with the reality that the temple in Jerusalem, where so much of Jewish uh, religious life 
had to happen, according to the scriptures, has been destroyed since 70 AD. And so this rabbinic system, uh, religious system of good works, of prayer, and of repentance has been developed by which Jewish people can, um, in Jewish thinking, kind of stay right with God or get right with God again. Prayer, good works, and repentance. And that is ramped up during the 10 days of awe, uh, culminating in Yom Kippur. Prayer, repentance, and good works leading up to this day of solemn rest, of fasting. And in Jewish thought, the idea is, of course, you need to fast, almost like woe to you if you don't. Now, interestingly, some super secular Jewish people don't. They say, I'm not going to fast. Are they being struck by lightning? No, uh, that's not happening. Like we see it happening in the Torah or, you know, swallowed up by the earth. No. Do I believe they're missing an invitation to some encounter with the Lord? Yeah, I do because I think it's an enduring commandment for our people. And interestingly, some Messianic Jews say, you know what? I'm fulfilled in Jesus. I have all the righteousness I need. Uh, I'm not under the law, so to speak. I'm not under the law. Therefore, I'm not going to observe Yom Kippur. Are they being struck dead and swallowed up by the earth? No, of course not. That's not necessarily how God is working in our world today. But again, do I think I'll say kind of boldly, and I have friends who, you know, a few friends who don't celebrate Yom Kippur, who don't fast, who kind of don't acknowledge it. Do I think they're missing an invitation to uh, a deeper relationship with the Lord and some blessing? Yeah, I do. I'll say kind of boldly, I think it's still something that should be observed. But why are we observing it? Are we observing it like most of the Jewish community, which is trying to earn righteousness through this prayer and repentance and fasting and getting right with our neighbors? Um, Are we trying to achieve something in the eyes of God? No, I think... Yom Kippur, as a believer, for me, means in the way the scriptures command, this kind of day of complete ceasing, uh, fasting, stopping work, uh, not doing what I want to do, not driving around doing my errands on that day, but really ceasing, just trying to be as much as I can with God's help in the presence of a holy God, not hoping for redemption, but just in a place of thankfulness. Lord, show me the things I need to get out of my own heart. Show me the things I need to repent for in order to be, uh, to have a clean, clean hands and a pure heart before you. And also just thanking him that according to Hebrews, according to the scriptures, we do have a Messiah and his name is Jesus. His name is Yeshua, which means salvation, who did offer his own blood in the temple in heaven once and for all, because the blood of goats and lambs cannot cleanse forever from sin. It can, it can satisfy the need for a blood sacrifice of a holy God, but it can't cleanse my conscience and it can't cleanse me in his eyes eternally. So that's really where the road diverges in the Jewish community. Those who believe in Jesus are thankful and confident that our hope is through the redemption in his blood. And those who do not are hoping, trusting in what we've done, prayer, repentance, good works, even fasting and denying ourselves, uh, during this season on the Jewish calendar, hoping that it's enough for our name to be written in the book of life. Ultimately, though, not 100% sure. And that's why, as a, as a people, we need the confidence. We need Messiah uh, every year and all the time. And that's why it's so important for us uh, who do believe, Jewish and Gentile alike, to be sharing our faith in Jesus with our Jewish friends, family members, uh, those we have relationship with. Uh, wherever those relationships exist around the world. So if I, as a Christian, wanted to observe Yom Kippur, based on what you just said, it, it, do I 
choose something to fast, basically not work and pray on that day? Or how can I observe? Yeah, I think, you know, specifically even for those who can, you know, medically fast food on that day. Join with the Jewish people, right? Part of part of being a Christian who's committed to the purposes of God's heart uh, and the priorities on his heart, which is a lot of what we discuss on this podcast, Carly, is uh, standing in solidarity with the Jewish people during times of great rejoicing and during times of great sorrow and holiness and observance. And this is the holiest day on the Jewish calendar. So part of standing in solidarity, standing with Israel can very practically mean like, fast that day. Maybe you're able to take the day off from work and just get alone with God, thank him for the redemption that we have in Jesus, but also pray that blinders come off of Jewish eyes to to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, take the day and fast and pray. Take the day and rest if you can. Um, you can say to Jewish people, kind of the expression in Hebrew and in English is, on the eve of Yom Kippur, you say, have an easy fast. Fast, like engage with the holiday, but may it not be this arduous thing that involves suffering. May it be an experience that's easy and you just enjoy the presence of God and get right with him. So uh, calling uh, your Jewish friends and family members, wishing them an easy fast, even fasting yourself, let that need for food prompt you to intercession and prayer. Jewish people or non-Jewish people alike who don't know that Jesus is our great high priest and the one who purchased our redemption on the cross. So what would you say is the main takeaway for a Christian from Yom Kippur? Yeah, I think the main takeaway is uh, the wages of sin is death. We know that from the scriptures and that redemption has been purchased through the blood of the Messiah and that there is no path to him. Acts is very clear. Salvation is found in no one else uh, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And so the takeaway for Yom Kippur is for ourself, just remembering that nothing we can do earns our righteousness before God. It's all Jesus. It's all the blood of Yeshua redeemed us from our sin and death and his resurrection that gave us eternal life. Remembering that. And then secondly, the main takeaway is Jewish people, no matter how religious, how devout we are in the world, ultimately still need the blood of a savior, the blood of a Messiah. And that that is Jesus. And so um, this is a great time of year. Pray that the blinders would come off. Pray According to Zechariah 12, we know one day there's going to be that national recognition. We're going to look on the one we've pierced and mourn for him, but that fountains of grace and supplication will be open, Carly. So I think recognizing that our salvation is through none other than Jesus and praying that Israel, individually, corporately, nationally, Jewish people around the world would recognize. Pray in Zechariah 12. So a lot of great information that I hope educates our audience about Yom Kippur. If you missed the Rosh Hashanah episode, go back and listen to that. Uh, And if you want to hear the Sukkot episode, we'll be playing that next week. uh, So you can tune into that. So stay tuned real quick. We're going to answer one of your questions about Yom Kippur. But before we do that, I just want to remind you, as Ezra reminded us before, if you want to partner with us um, in Jewish ministry to tell Jewish people around the world about their Messiah. Uh, you can do that on our website, ajunagentiledisgust.org. Uh, and in our thanks to you, we'll send you a uh, coffee from Ethiopia. Uh, like Ezra said, it's the, the best coffee. We taste tested it with multiple people on our staff um, and blindly chose this one. So regardless, you should at least just taste it because uh, right. it's pretty good. 
Um, but let's get to the question, which is, you know, on these feast shows, people have been asking, what's your favorite moment? But as Yom Kippur is a little more solemn, the question is more about what's your most memorable Yom Kippur moment? Yeah, I think, you know, Yom Kippur, Carly, in light of what you were just sharing with our uh, listening audience, is the one day a year when, in order to really dig into the holiday, I give up something. I mean, fasting, you know, hopefully, in whatever way, this becomes somewhat of a regular discipline in our lives as believers. But coffee uh, is not normally a part of my fasting routine. In fact, probably when I'm fasting, my coffee consumption goes up to compensate, which judge me in your hearts if you want. You can write in to the show if you want to have a comment about that. But in Yom Kippur uh, is the one day a year when I will not drink coffee. And you want to talk about like being laid out in the presence of God with no ability to help myself Uh, by 3 p.m. on Yom Kippur. I'm kind of done, kind of a water only thing. So that's, I would say, not necessarily a joyful thing. Giving up coffee for a day uh, is a tough one. And for those who love coffee like I do, give it up for a day and fast and pray. And uh, you'll be willing to say yes to anything before the Lord by about 3, 4 p.m. I can imagine that's a day of headaches. Big time. Big time. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. If you want to hear more episodes, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love if you'd leave us a review or share this podcast with someone you know. You can also follow us on social media. If there's anything you want to discuss or a question you want us to answer, you can submit it to a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org. Thanks again for listening. Join us next week for another episode. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.